Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of COVID Roulette, stories from the pandemic. My name's Tony Wilson and I'm visiting people in the local government areas of Yarra and Darabin and just collecting their stories. And a few episodes ago, I spoke to Mubarak and it was a great episode. He lives in the Richmond Housing Estate and he talked about the way in which the housing estate has adapted and embraced vaccination. And he talked about his dad's real risks of dying from COVID. He was intubated and went to hospital a couple of times. But Mubarak had his own personal COVID story as well. And that tied into his wedding. And so he's back. We've got a follow-up Mubarak episode. And here it is. Weddings, travel, overseas COVID. You'll love this one. Stories from the pandemic. Hey, um, my name is Mubarak Imam and I am resident at the Richmond Estates. My original background is Eritrean, but I've been in Australia, Melbourne for the last six years now. In terms of being a Muslim during COVID, I mean, everyone's had challenges with different aspects of their lives. Mm. Has COVID interfered or created innovations when it comes to prayer time and, and how you are a good Muslim? Yes, definitely. So we as Muslims like to pray it all together instead of praying uh, one by, by themselves. So that's something that we missed for quite a while. Another thing is visiting families and relatives as well. That's, that's basically to better the relationships between the larger family. That was something that was missing as well. Um, obviously, we, I think there was one Eid that we didn't get to celebrate as well. So the, yeah, those were tough times. We, we, we tried to find out different ways of doing things. So for example, I know a friend of mine who actually got married by Zoom because she was overseas, so he couldn't travel, uh, so they had to get married through the Zoom. So were they together on the Zoom call, or was the husband Zoom separated from his wife? So she was in uh, Dubai, <laughs> he was here, everybody was online, uh, there was a shake in the middle, uh, getting them married and stuff, so it was pretty awkward moment seeing something <laughs> do you know why it was so important to go ahead as quickly and not to wait for the end of lockdown see so nobody was sure how long the overseas travel was going to take and uh, i think in order for him to start his visa application he needed to show that there is some form of you know serious relationships in it um, and yeah he found a chance to go he actually left and got it done and what about yourself you've managed to dodge it no, actually, so um, I managed to dodge it all this time for about two years, but I was overseas about a couple of months ago. I was in Eritrea and I contracted COVID and I was fully vaccinated. Fortunately, no symptoms at all, maybe just a touch of headache. How old are you? So I'm 29, a bit scary because my grandparents were there, but I didn't feel any symptoms. So yeah, I just missed the flight. <laughs> And, uh, and what was the difference between the way our government has treated a positive case to how you get treated as a positive case in Eritrea? When they found out I was 
positive, they straight away called me to come to the hospital. So I had to get into a taxi or a bus with other people and go to them. Even even in the testing site, everybody is, you know, people are trying to do their best. Obviously, there are, you know, those stay away from each other, 1.5 meters, those kind of things. But people were not, that was not their priority. So people were hustling, they were running for their food, they were running for work. Uh, actually, as a country, I don't think we can afford going into lockdown. So people had to find ways of doing it. So when they find out I was positive, they put me with another six people who were positive as well. And then they, the doctor just came close to us and he told us, hey, I've got a bad news for you. You are this and you have the option either to go to your houses or you can get into a hotel by your own expenses. Obviously, I chose um, to go home because I believe I was going to be looked after better. <laughs> my grandparents and my mother was there as well. So, And what, did, what does grandparent love look like in Eritrea? So, you know those times when it's um, honeymoon where two couples are in... Uh, in a hotel and the food comes to their bed. Uh, that was pretty much the treatment I was getting. I have some photos. I literally didn't leave the room for six days. Uh, all the food was coming there. Some people were coming to uh, help me wash my hands. Obviously, there is the love. Um, every, I don't know, half an hour, an hour coming in, checking in, even though they had health issues. So Did they come in your room? To tell them to get out. <laughs> yeah, so they would come into the room and I would freak out and they'd be like, nah, man, don't worry, it's just we're happy to see you because I went back home after about eight years, so they were just happy to see me. So they weren't going to let COVID wreck their time with you? They were still going to spend time At all, time at all. You. So I actually found out I had COVID when I was leaving the country, you know, when you have to do the PCR test. Um, that's when they found out. And when my grandparents find out I'm going to for another week they're actually yes they were happy that <laughs> like, did, did they catch it no they didn't catch it luckily oh that's yeah. good you said you had a headache anything else um no nothing that i can think of really yeah maybe that has something to do with my vaccines i, I really do believe it has something to do with the vaccines that i took and there were other people who had covid at the same time as me as well and th- the same age as mine they were finding it difficult to cope it with. So you married Mubarak? So um, I just got married a couple of months ago, uh, but no kids yet. And did COVID delay your wedding? Uh, yes, definitely. It delayed it about two years. Now, how, when did that happen? Um, that happened on the 14th of Feb this year. And an Eritrean bride? She is Eritrean. We went to the same school, but she lives in Egypt at the moment. She hasn't arrived yet. Once the visa is done, I think COVID has kind of delayed the visa process at the moment. And so that's why you were back there. What was the wedding like? It was meant to be a small family gathering, but it turned out to be a mini (laughs) wedding. Lots of uh, lovely family members who came to bless us and spend the day with us. The ladies were wearing cultural dresses. Uh, Happy to share a photo with you if you like. It was in Cairo on the Nile in one of the boats. The atmosphere was really, really nice. Really feels great to be married, I guess. What's her name? Uh, Her name is Basma. How many times have you seen your wife in recent years? I haven't seen her for about 18 years, apart from the wedding, really. And is this exciting? Are you looking forward to her getting here? And oh, of course, you know. Best of luck getting Basma here. And what's your final words on COVID? 
Thank you, COVID, for <laughs> bringing the community together. I think uh, it actually gave us a chance to, I don't know, prioritize our lives. I can, I can definitely tell my life is different than what it was a couple of years ago, especially around my, you know, my priorities, the things that I value and the things that I should basically leave behind, if that's the right word. It was a tough time for a lot of young people, specifically around their mental well-being. I've experienced that. A lot of people around me have experienced mental well-being decline during this period of time. I guess, yeah, I think this is a good time to come out of it right now. Um, so my final message is, yeah, we're just going to be stronger from now on. Thank you so much, Mubarak. My pleasure, Tony. Great to chat to Mubarak again. I put his wedding photo up on my Twitter, at by Tony Wilson. And we'll put it up at the Elfington Community Centre page as well. Given the topic of the episode has been weddings, Mubarak's wedding, and also the wedding he attended online, the Zoom wedding, I thought I'd call up a marriage celebrant. And it is a marriage celebrant in the Islamic community. His name is Sheikh Mohammed Ramzan. He is the president of the Victorian Islamic Commission. And I asked him about the way COVID had impact upon weddings. Hello, Sheikh Mohammed. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hello. Hello, Tony. Thank you very much. Now, can you tell me what your role is in terms of conducting weddings? What sort of job do you have? I am a registered marriage celebrant and minister of religion in the Islamic faith. Uh, I have that role to solemnize the marriages in regional Victoria, in interstate, and in Melbourne uh, metropolitan, I do solemnize the marriages. And uh, I am the president of uh, Victorian Islamic Commission for Research, Fatwa, and Charity, and I work with ICV as prison chaplain as well. And Sheikh Mohammed, can you tell us what challenges the pandemic presented to couples who wanted to get married? Number one challenge was everyone wanted to make the marriage and the wedding day very memorable. The pandemic restricted that to make it memorable, but at the same time provided opportunity to make it memorable in different ways. Everyone will remember that how many people turned up, what happened. One, once uh, a couple contacted me and uh, they said they want to do it because uh, their marriage was being cancelled and postponed and cancelled and postponed because of the lockdowns. And I said, fine, no problem at all. I lived in uh, regional Victoria, so I had this uh, privilege to be lesser stricter lockdown so I asked them to come down to Geelong so they came and they invited their friends as witness but the friends did not turn up because they said they don't want to uh, take any risk and they don't want to go out Uh, they were stuck actually so this was another challenge people were not able to make keep that actually taking pictures making it memorable in a sense that the memory is recorded on the camera there was no opportunity of that as well my own daughter she was married as like postponed three times and then we married her on 11th of july 
as we had uh, a little break in the lockdown and her auntie lived in uh, Brisbane the lockdown was lifted from victoria in victoria and imposed in brisbane in queensland so then they were able to actually travel just at 11:59 the lockdown in brisbane was relaxed and they were able to travel on that night and next morning they were able to participate in the wedding which was limited number like only 15 people were allowed this type of challenges went for one and a half year or two years and i presume there was no what would be the normal celebration at an islamic wedding there'd be you know hundreds of people wouldn't there and big tables of food what what were you seeing after uh, that's right uh, yeah in islamic tradition the wedding is minimum 3 days so first day is which is called henna mehndi like everyone some get together and they have uh, Uh, henna you might have heard that with yep. the put the red type of color on the hands and on the arms and on the feet and then next day is the actual the nikah which is called the marriage uh, the religious aspect of it and then we day after is the walima which is called the 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 wedding feast so the the nikah and the actual the wedding contract and offer and acceptance happens at the bride home or bride arrangement and the walima the wedding feast is the groom arrangements so always attended the average attendance is about 150 to 200 300 people wow. uh, in each gathering in each wedding depends on how big family extended family friends a circle of friends a person have and so what were you saying in these emergency weddings in these weddings in lockdown what did, what did they look like oh no more than 15 people uh, just two witness the marriage celebrant bride and groom their father mother and their brother sisters but just that, that very close family then people what they did actually they had that uh, the religious aspect of it which is minimum like bride and groom and two witness Uh, that is the requirement uh, the legal and the religious requirement and they have postponed their other celebrations and feasts and and now they are trying to book the halls and they are not able to find them because there are some you know backlog and uh, every venue is busy it's all taking longer now and possibly expenses as well I heard from Mubarak who was our guest on this episode of the podcast. He said that he actually attended some weddings that were conducted entirely online. I don't know whether that meant that the imam wasn't with the couple, maybe the imam was with the couple, but did you preside over any weddings that were Zoom weddings? The only part which the Zoom wedding can happen is the sermon like the wedding sermon. but as the actual wedding is concerned uh, because everyone has to sign the marriage celebrant has to sign the the groom has to sign the bride has to sign the witness has to sign and some requirements are according to islam and according to the legal uh, our australian uh, common wealth law as well so it need to be signed in front of the marriage celebrant yeah so that's why that part took place like in privately like 
not as the part of the the, the ceremony, but the ceremony took place virtually yeah. online. Yeah. So, so, for example, offer and acceptance is made. The husband says, I take you as wife and wife says, yes, I accept it. So that happened online. There is no problem with that. And uh, the sermon is given, the talk is given, the participants are participating from different parts of uh, even the world, not just necessarily from Australia. For example, my daughter's wedding was attended by uh, her brother-in-law from uh, U.S., one from Dubai, uh, some from India, some from Pakistan. And uh, so, yeah, everywhere, like uh, about 50, 60, 70 people online. And they are listening and watching what is happening. I heard also that this was a situation where Mubarak said there, for immigration reasons, it's easier for a married couple to tick all the immigration boxes in Australia. And so that there could be a wedding done where even the bride might be in a different country. Is that possible? I think that is uh, that is more sort of uh, legally uh, or uh, logistic issues uh, with the legal some bindings. But I was approached by three couples and uh, I asked them to ask their immigration lawyers and will that be acceptable? The immigration uh, lawyers or agents advised them not to do it. I was approached but uh, it did not take place where the bride and groom are separated from the same venue. Well, an interesting follow-up to what Mubarak told us. Um, t- are you now flat out? Have you got <laughs> have you got marriages? Oh, yeah, to... flat out. So... Completely flat out, honey. There is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your job as a imam with us and telling us what you do and learning a little bit about Islamic weddings as well. Um, certainly it's been a great pleasure having you on COVID Roulette, Sheikh Mohammed. Thank you very much, Tony. You have a good day and it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. That's the end of the episode. I'm Tony Wilson. COVID Roulette is an Elfington Community Centre project and it has been funded through the Victorian Government's Local Community Access Grants Programme. It's conceived and produced by myself and Leanne Coughlin. Our musical theme is from David Bridie. Our artwork from Lee Akapur. A big thank you to Mubarak Imam. If you missed his earlier episode, it's a beauty as well. Thank you to Sheikh Mohammed Ramzan of the Victorian Islamic Commission. If you've got a great COVID story to share with us, we'd love you to make contact. There's an email address in the show notes. That's it for COVID Roulette. The ball is on the wheel. And remember, if you want a good safety bet this pandemic, don't go red or black. Go vaccinated.